Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mature Audiences Mayhem. My name is Glenn King, and it's my honor to bring you this podcast where we talk about the things that other podcasts either cannot or will not talk about. That is, things that are intended for mature audiences only. So before we get into this week's episode with Jenna Ivory, I just want to remind everyone that we now have a Twitter for the podcast. It's M-A-M Podcast, M-A-M Podcast number one. So that's just M-A-M Podcast and the number one. Now, two weeks ago, we had four Twitter followers, which I thought was pretty good. But uh, then we got up to something like 100 followers for last week's show, and now we're sitting at about 500 followers, which is great. I think that's much better. However, we have something like 80,000 subscribers to the program, so that means that a lot of you have not followed us yet. So I have been making up plans to go to each and every one of your houses and grab your phones from you and hit the follow button. But... In mapping this out, I have realized that that's going to take quite a bit of gas to get that far. Uh, And gas is expensive these days. It's like three bucks a gallon. So I don't know if I have enough money to get to every single one of my subscribers. So just do me a favor. Go to Twitter. Click on the follow button for MAM Podcast 1. That's the number one. All right, let's get into it right away with Jenna Ivory. And you know, the best episodes of this podcast are just conversations between old friends. When I can bring in somebody that I've known for years and watched her grow and flourish and, uh, and then can just kind of get her story out there. And today, that's exactly what we've got. It was somebody named Jenna Ivory, whom I claim credit for discovering. Uh, which you may disagree with, but I was the first person ever to shoot her for a female domination scene, which she took to like a fish in water and then flourished and grew as a dom at the same time that her uh, adult film career was growing and flourishing. So with that in mind, let me introduce to you the great, legendary Jenna Ivory. All right, so before I start asking you questions, I got to describe to everybody what you look like. They always want to know. So we're over here in my new podcast studio, so hopefully the sound will be good here. But uh, Jenna is dressed... Okay, so Jenna has become a workout freak to some degree. Her bo- She has 0% body fat, as best I can tell. You are very slim these days. <laughs> I still have my curves, though. <laughs> She's got the curves. She's wearing skin-tight um, spandex pants. Bare midriff, and then a just a little tank top on that's barely containing her big boobs. So, um, and she looks gorgeous as always. Thank you. All right, Jenna Ivory. Let's just before we get into the porn parts. You grew up in Phoenix, according to a bio that I read. Which on the is internet. not accurate <laughs> at all. If you're an avid fan and follower, you probably know like because I do rep where I'm from quite often and frequently I'm actually from Washington State originally Tacoma okay yeah <laughs> yep that's a good bio but that's usually what happens all right so you grew yeah. up in Washington and then what led you into the adult film industry um well I was pursuing modeling and I had a a, 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 a what is uh, an account online for for modeling and stuff like that, and an yeah. agent an agent had recruited me, so to speak. So I, I'm trying to remember the name of the modeling site that everyone was on. Model Mayhem. Model Mayhem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you had a Model Mayhem profile, and somebody contacted you. Yeah. Were you doing a lot of modeling first, or? Um, I was pursuing it. I yeah. wasn't as active. I mean, I was doing a lot of like amateur shoots and stuff like that. Okay. So you got into the modeling site, though, with the, with doing nude stuff in mind. You weren't going for mainstream stuff first. Yeah. Because you could have been. Right. Yeah. A little harder, though, that way without, like, an agent or, any, you know, like a lack of direction. You really don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But I guess what I'm hearing is that you... So you were 18. Mm, no, I was 20. 20? When I got in the industry. Well, what would you do from graduating high school until um, 20? Um... Hustled, really. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Dance strip club or stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you had done nudity, you yeah. know, in the strip club. Yeah. So it wasn't like you graduated. Uh, like it used to be, all these movies where the girl from Iowa would at eighteen would go to Hollywood and get off the bus and then get recruited by a <laughs> pimp the second that she got off the bus and she had these visions of 
being in mainstream movies, and then all of a sudden she was in porn movies. Right. right. But that's not really what happened with you. No. You came out of high school, you started stripping, got on Model Mayhem, met an agent through... And was it a stringer for an agent or an agent? Um, it was someone that worked for the agency, yeah. They, right. had, they had someone that literally just spent all day trying to recruit girls. Yeah. So they flew you out, or you came here on your own? No, I was already in the area. Oh, okay. I already lived in the area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't live in the area. I was in the area, though. You were in Los Angeles, yeah, roughly. Yeah, I was in California. Okay. Uh, so then the agent, like, how did that first conversation go exactly? Did he tell you that we're going to make you millions of dollars, or was he a little Pretty more much. I mean, just explained, like, you know, enticed me into it. And my first scene was, it was hilarious. My agent picked me up and was driving me to my first shoot and then as soon as we pulled up he uh starts asking me all these sexual questions and i'm kind of looking at him like why is he you know what am i into what turns me on and i'm like okay and he goes oh by the way you're gonna be shooting with me today your talent um couldn't make it uh and later on i found out that he was actually their contract guy okay yeah you uh you want to leave names out of this or you want to throw it out there um i mean i no, I really don't. Yeah. T Real was my agent. Okay, so you <laughs> and T. Know that. Yeah, yeah. We may as well throw it all out there. Yeah. So, so T's taking you to your first shoot. Mm-hmm. How do you? Did you know who your male talent was supposed to be that supposedly canceled? No, I didn't know just, who it was. And then I was like, at first, I was like, wait, hold on. So I'm shooting with you. You're my agent, and I didn't really understand that. You know, my agent, I actually works for me. You yeah. know. Yeah. But at that moment in time, I didn't grasp that concept so I was like wait so I'm gonna be fucking my boss today is how I, I asked him he's like well essentially yeah but you know I'm talent oh been in the industry okay. for so many years and you know yeah he's talent he's legitimate talent mm-hmm. um but there are some ethical questions with this right whole thing that you just described yeah uh okay so you're Already, sh- so it's your first shoot, and you're already shocked because mm-hmm. at that point you're you're shell shocked. You're like thinking to yourself, "Wait, what?" Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you go on in there. There were at it least was a, a casting couch scene. Like, uh, is it was a small? You probably know the company. I, I don't know. Maybe he's he he was their contract guy for years. I don't even remember what the name of it was. Someone knows out there. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. A, yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. I think that's basically what they do is casting couch scenes yeah. and casting. It's like backroom casting or something like that. Something like that. Okay. So you get in there. There's a director at least. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. You've got the money that you were promised at least, right? Same day pay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's just that you ended up working with your agents. All right. So that's your first scene. Yeah. How'd it go after that? Um... I don't remember how soon after that I sh- I'm pretty sure it was soon. I kept in contact with, with T. We were texting. We ended up, as many know, we ended up dating for a period of time. I had gotten to the industry October 2013. And we were still dating in January, the ABN, until I broke it off with him mm-hmm. on the red carpet. Oh. Do you want to tell that story real quick? Well, I just felt like he was kind of like pitching... Um, me well his his agency but using me as like the spokes model like we have girls like like jenna ivory here yeah. which wasn't really the case at that time you know there was probably like two other girls that were you know really attractive and put together and stuff like that and i was like no this isn't what i signed up for yeah you know and um there's just a, an array of different things like he wasn't being i felt like he wasn't being honest about certain things and i'm just walking off and left him well, you you went home, <laughs> <laughs> but you had this in mind before the red carpet, and then suddenly, what happened on the red carpet that you just made you go, yeah, that's it. It was just the, the interviews, like just just being interviewed, and and him like really, I wasn't getting, I I felt like I wasn't getting enough, um, not airtime, but uh, for lack of better words, more or less able to showcase Jenna Ivory was all about ideal image models. I see. So I was like, this isn't what I signed up for, and this is not, no, I'm not comfortable with this, and there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remained with the agency for a good number of years. Yeah. You know, but... But you broke off that part of the relationship and kind of stopped being their 
bell cow, which isn't right. calling you a cow, but right. it was kind of like you were like, lead. I mean, it was like an ongoing thing with them. Like when I had um, became Penthouse Pet, they weren't even aware of it. Um, I actually was, uh, there was a, a house up in um, San Bernardino. Uh, I became friends with uh, someone that was running out their house. And every time I would drive down to LA from Vegas, I, I would just stay at his house. Like he was cool as hell. Yeah. And um, it's actually, I ended up shooting my penthouse. My penthouse shoot was there at that house too, later on. But uh, penthouse, the, the, the porn side was actually shooting at the house one time when I was there. And someone from my agency, who was also talent, was shooting for them. And um, he was friends with a mutual friend at the time. And I guess the director was asking this particular talent, you know, um, if he could recommend any girls for any upcoming shoots and it was told to the mutual friend and confidence that he didn't want to refer me and I was in the house too I was in the hot tub he didn't want to refer me because I was quote-unquote too ratchet okay so wow when I ended up my, my publicist Lainey was actually the one who got me into penthouse through her connections and um, uh, I ended up telling her about that so and I, and I kept my whole penthouse shoot on hush for I think two months and it was originally supposed to be released in May, I believe, and it ended up being June, which was amazing because my birthday's in June too. Huh. So, but I went to the office a couple days, I think it might have even been the day before it was released. Went to the office and I was talking to my agent, Corey, and I had told him what was said um, about that uh, during that period of time at the shoot when that, that talent was um, shooting. And he was like, well, did you ask him? Did you did you want to ask him? And I'm like, sure, you can go ahead and bring him up to the front in the office in the lobby. And, you know, I asked him. He's like, oh, no, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like, I'm like, well, there's no really other way to mean something like a statement <laughs> like that. But the I'm word ratchet like, is actually right. a pretty straightforward word. So, yeah, exactly. So I, I, they were all sitting there, and I still had not announced it. And I was like, well, guess what? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm, I'm about to be Pet House Pet of June. And it which is getting dropped tomorrow. I said, yeah. I guess Penthouse didn't think I was so ratchet after all. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. And then afterwards, you know, um, T, T used to do this all the time because, you know, he was also known for dating Tori Black back in the day. I believe also Sasha Gray as he flamed. And he would uh, always, you know, um, claim that he was uh, responsible for their fame and their career, which was another way he would pitch girls into signing with them. And that's what he ended up doing with me. With my penthouse, I'm like, you're not responsible for my penthouse. I did that. Yeah. You had nothing to do with that. Yeah. We had the magazine all framed up in the office and everything. Yeah, and I remember it didn't it didn't surprise me to see you end up in penthouse because and the name Ivory was kind of perfect for you, especially when you consider the whole porn industry took a giant step forward when the in 1970 something the girl from the Ivory soap commercials who looked very wholesome, of course, Marilyn Chambers, suddenly started doing this nasty, wild porn. And, you know, and all of a sudden, people that had never looked at porn before were like, I gotta see this. Mm -hmm. So then you had you, who, you did have the platinum blonde hair, but you had, other than that, a very natural, Marilyn Monroe-esque type look. People used to say about Marilyn Monroe that the, the thing that made her special was that the look in her eye always made you want to protect her. Mm -hmm. That you wanted to put your arm around her and just say, hey, I got you. Yeah. you know? And that was kind of what you had going for you was that you had this, this very pure ivory look. And then you would go off and start talking filthy in your scenes. Yeah. And it was awesome. Um, and I think we shot you when you were like maybe 19 or so, right? Or do 20, you recall? 20, 20 yeah. I had uh, actually I didn't even name myself. T real named me. He did well on that he one. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He said J because Jenna because J's are strong names, and then Ivory because of my complexion. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't even think of all the Ivory soap thing, but still. Not that I'm aware of. Mm. Uh, but it works. Uh, you know, Jenna is a great porn name because there was already a couple of every other Jenna was pretty successful at the time. Yeah. So. He, kudos to him on that one, mm -hmm. uh, but it was interesting because, as you know, look, I mean, agents. I'm not even gonna. I, I remain agent neutral. There are bad agents and worse agents and horrible agents. Just like people. And, and mm -hmm. yeah, 
um, and good agents and whatever, but but in a lot of cases, the agent just has to stay out of the way and the girl will rise to the top. And, yeah. and so, you know, you made a name for yourself pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the wilder scenes that you did back then, do you recall? Because this is like... Ten years, well, eight years ago now. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Time flies. Yeah. Wow. You didn't, I'm trying, did you do anal sex back then or no? Not immediately. It took me a couple years. Yeah. It took me a couple years. Okay. Yeah, my first anal shoot was for Brazzers. Okay. Danny D. Yeah. They threw me into the sharks, boy. Hoo-wee. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with Danny D's dick, it's huge. Okay. It is, yeah, it's monstrous. <laughs> I was like, He's a British guy, right? Yeah, and the uh, the director at the time he does he uh, shortly I believe was dismissed. Uh, he was an asshole. The director was an asshole. Why do you say that? Like, what did he do that? Um, it, just that the way the... he treated people on set, like his his PA, he would just talk shit to him. He was like, "You stupid motherfucker!" Like, why didn't you probably know who it was? It was uh, uh it was Tony T or something like that. Um, yeah, he was he was not a really nice he had guy. Some... Yeah, anger issues. Anger issues that later, you know, was resulted in a pretty tough little confrontation that, you know, yeah. we can go into in a different episode there. Well, let's ask Jenna about the best way to treat people on set and how people should behave on set. But first, let's talk about Sext Panther. Sex Panther is pretty awesome. I got to tell you, it is your way of establishing a true relationship with your favorite adult entertainer or entertainer. What you do is you go to sexpanther.com, you pick out your favorite entertainer or adult entertainer, you get her phone number on there, and then you text her and ask her questions or exchange pictures or talk on the phone or have a video call as well. Do a little video chatting with her. They can text you back and you can get to know them in an intimate way that you would never be able to know them just through Twitter or social media. And it also gives you a way of supporting them because the performer can set her own rates for what they want to charge to text with you or to call you or send you videos or whatever. So go check it out. That's S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. And also, if you're a performer and you're not already on Sex Panther, what are you waiting for? This is the best way for you to be able to talk to your fans and really give them an opportunity to support you and get to know your fans and build fans for life. So give that a try. Again, go sign up for Sex Panther. And if you are a, uh, a fan, then go to Sex Panther. Everyone, go to sexpanther.com. That's S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. But let's make this a learning moment. Because th- there's a lot of people contact me who listen to the show and say, mm-hmm. Hey, thank you so much. You always put tips in the show for directors. Tell me what you think, how a director should behave on set. How would I mean professional? I mean it's a professional environment. It's it's it, it, yeah we might be fucking on camera or just fucking in general, but it's still a business. Yeah, you know, um, treat women with respect or all talent with respect or not even just talent. Everyone on set with respect. Yeah, number one. Um, number I mean I don't know. I feel like it should be common sense, but common sense isn't so common. You know. Yeah, let me say it for you know you guys because I've been directing for twenty years. A couple things that she just said. Number one. Everybody on set is a professional, mm-hmm. whether it's the makeup artist or the production assistant or an intern that you have, because a lot of people have people that are willing to work for free just to be around porn sets. Right. Just because they're working for free doesn't mean you get to treat them like dirt. And when you do treat them like dirt, you create a bad working environment. Not just that. I mean, there may be so many you know people in the industry, but it's actually a very small industry. Word gets around fast, Yeah. especially with social media. Yeah, I just had somebody, um, let's see, I, I gotta really take the names out on this one. So somebody told me a story about somebody that had worked for us in the past and was a great, was great on our sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, oh God, yeah, she's, she was such a horrible person and I hate her and whatever. And I was like, is it possible that that environment that you were in was just toxic with that person? And they said, so they thought about it, she thought about it, and she goes, yeah. Yeah, because the director was yelling at her constantly. She was the PA and was, you know, treating her like shit the whole day. And so then she was grumpy and she goes, you know, you make a good point. If I knew her under different circumstances with a happy director with positivity on set, I might have liked her. 
Right. I mean, the energy is everything. And especially, like, that particular set, from what I recall, is, like, like I said, it was my first time shooting anal. And I had never really even done anal like that in my personal life. So, I mean, you're already giving me anxiety now with all the yelling and everything else. Like, I... I know whenever I would go to shoot, I always made sure I was in the right frame of mind. And um, that that wasn't one of my best shoots, I believe. And not just that, like, you know it's my first time anal. And you're coming out with a... a, a, a what size is this Gatorade bottle right here in front of us? <laughs> this is like a 64-ouncer. A butt plug. That <laughs> fucking big. He walks out with it. I looked at him crazy as hell. I said, there's no way. that The tip isn't even going in me. <laughs> you know? I don't know what you expect me to do with that. <laughs> um, which actually brings up another director because there's a story involved in this but mm -hmm. Mike Adriano mm -hmm. who does something you know he, he does something good in this part in that he gives girls a butt plug yeah. before the scene which you should already be doing anyways you should already be training you know prepping for that yes. you know, so the girls plug. can stretch themselves right. we don't want to use two graphic terms on the show here but we you know so anal scenes take preparation so this is something and we're going to cover this later in the show, but fans of porn, you need to understand that every time you ask a girl to do something oh. challenging uh, or can be harmful to their body or whatever... So much goes into it. So much goes into it. So all of you, I mean, so many fans will harass a girl, why don't you do anal, do anal, do anal, do anal, do anal. Like we fast, we eat nothing but gummy bears for like a whole day, maybe even two days prior. It's it's strenuous. We put our bodies through a lot of, a lot of you know, stuff. Yeah, you obviously cannot just do an anal, an anal scene is not like anal sex at home with your uh, boyfriend. It, it takes preparation and you need to make sure that, you know, that the girl is A, not in pain in the scene and that B, the, the actual intended functions of the anus do not interfere. Yeah. The anus, pretty much an exit, is designed as an exit, not so it has as an intake. Enter zone. And so now you're turning it to an enter zone. So people, you know, again, I, I harp on this in the show, and some of you complain about it, but careful what you're asking the talent to do, because um, I know you fans, you love Jenna, you love all the girls, uh, but many of you just don't realize pressure. that the peer pressure, that the fan pressure that you're putting on them to do acts... Uh, uh, like this that can be harmful to their body or difficult to prepare for are, are very mentally uh, uh, crushing for them and we're going to get into that later but, but the Adriano story because you, you yeah, contacted me at the time because oh. I was with Evil Angel as same as him and you said how can you know, help yeah, me and I was how, like, how, how do I do, how like do this, I do this? Um, it was my, was my I think I believe it was my second anal shoot ever I believe so oh wow okay. I believe so yeah as I I'm like 90% positive on that. And um, it was a, a boy girl, boy girl anal. I remember he was using gummy bears in a uh, champagne glass. He was putting the gummy bears up my ass and he was eating them out or whatever. And at the end of this, at the at the end of the scene, I had a we were out fucking outside. Yeah. And I was on a, a high surface, like a chair or something, a mish. And I had to drop down on my knees for the pop shot. I heard something break, like it was glass, it shattered, and you know, I kind of look up like, oh, what the fuck was that, you know, and he just continues, he, he continues to, to roll, uh, well, he, he, he comes on my face, and then he steps behind the cameraman, and he's just, you know, continue to roll, um, and then as soon as, as soon as uh, we, we get the last pop, bit of the pop shot, he, he, he stops, and he goes, oh, fuck. Call her agent, call her agent. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm wearing you know, thigh high pantyhose, garter set, and they, they pick me up and help me sit down. I'm like, what is going on? I look at my knee, my left knee. Like I said, I had pantyhose on, so I, it looks like I just got grazed. Yeah. Pull those suckers down. Oh my gosh. I had never had stitches before this. It was so deep, you could see the white meat. Oh my I God. had to get, I think, 10 or 12 stitches. Oh. So, um, they called my. So a table had cracked, or what was? No, the, I landed on the. Thing? I landed on the glass you that they were it? using in the scene. Oh, okay. The gotcha. PA never came and grabbed it. Gotcha. Okay. And they immediately they called my agent, and uh, we have to take Jenna to Kaiser. You know, she got cut pretty bad, and 
my agent goes, this is Corey, and he goes, uh, is her asshole okay? Is she okay? <laughs> you know, oh, no, 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 she's fine, she's fine. No, she, she's laying her on, on Yeah, she cut herself with, with some glass. <laughs> is she going to be off work? Right. Because if she's not going to be working, we're just going to drop her from the agency right now. My, man, <laughs> they didn't take me to Kaiser either. Uh-uh. No, they took me to a, uh, what was Urgent this? care, I'll bet. Yeah, the, you know who, the urgent care. Oh, to Dr. Riggs? Yeah, they took me to Dr. Riggs, and Dr. Riggs wasn't even in that day. They took me in, they fed me, but it was so funny. <laughs> I didn't even feel it, though, like, when it happened. And as soon as um, they're getting all my stuff together and everything to take me, and I'm like, did we get the shot? Are we good? Are we good? You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I can, Jenna, don't even worry about it. Just go. Just go. <laughs> all right, here's your sandwich. Here's your food. I'm like, thank you. So I'm in the car on the way. They take me to Dr. Riggs, and um, they, they, they check me in. Riggs, who they, can who can give you some um, all sorts gonorrhea of medicine if you need. Well, no, Dr. But, Riggs, uh, just so people understand, Dr. Riggs is sort of famous in Canoga Park. As the porn doctor, and mostly, if you go in there, there are girls waiting to get treated for sexually transmitted diseases that mm-hmm. they would have picked up on set. So it, it would be a little he bit just unusual. Gave pills for everything, to, and he was also very good about giving out pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he's, he's still there. I have no idea. But not your traditional place to bring somebody with a gaping wound in them and with blood out. spurting out so <laughs> it's a tourniquet the, the, the nurse the hospital is, is what checking me and asking me a series of questions you know when was the last time you had a tetanus shot I'm like I have I have no idea you're asking me and I'm bleeding out right now I honestly <laughs> I have no idea and uh, she, she goes okay well we're going to give you one today but the way she was asking me was kind of like rude, you know, I felt like, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be sure to put that in my notes, and, and that way the next time I have to go to the hospital or see a doctor, and they ask me when, you know, when was the last time I got a tennis shot, I'll have the exact date and time for them. And the PAs are sitting there, they start chuckling, they go, at least you have a, a good sense of humor still, Jenna. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so you got, you got stitched, I'm glad we can laugh about this. Now, now. yeah. So at the time, you got a bunch of stitches, and you did, did... They didn't put the stitches in at the urgent care, did they? Yeah, they did. Oh, they did. They even did an x-ray to make sure there was no glass still in there. Okay, well, in that case, I guess they were qualified to do stitches, I so. guess so. Although you would... Did they, they, actually, pretty, they, they must have had an actual doctor doing the stitches, at least. I don't recall. I know I got a scar from it, a pretty gnarly scar from it. Do you, you still have it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, she's going to show us the scar. Let's see if these... So we're talking, we're now eight years later. and Right here. Yeah, you can still see. That's a pretty, I'm going to try to measure it with my fingers. I'm going to say it's about the two-inch gash. Yeah, here and then also right here. Mm. Yeah. So did that, how long did that put you out of action for a while or? Um, I want to say at least two, three weeks. Yeah. You know. Okay, so here's the thing that we're going to bring to light now. Typically, porn sets do not have workers' comp or insurance for this type of thing. When it does happen in the industry, uh, you hope, in most cases, the producer will will step forward and say, Hey, I feel really awful this happened, and hoping that she doesn't hire a lawyer, they'll usually offer a check saying, I'd like to cover all of your bills for this, etc. I wasn't taking care of it all. They, they, they took care of my medical bills, obviously. Okay, that's well, good. Which, but it was Dr. Riggs. Like, <laughs> take me to Kaiser. Something. Quick little um, bill. But, uh, no, I think they, they offered to shoot me again. That was essentially it. Not did you industry. think at the time about maybe getting a lawyer? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm I sure did. you I did call, because I you did, talked I to me. I called you about it. Yeah. I called you about it. And I had spoke to my publicist. I had spoke to several different people about it. And... A I think I of, gave you a lawyer's phone number, a lot of so people, you must yeah, have a lot of, quite decided a few not people, to. Yeah, quite a few people were very adamant on the fact that I should have pursued it. Yeah. You know, especially being a penthouse pet and all this and that. And then they, I forget what, there was a female a, a female talent, I believe it was for Evil Angel as well. And she, she was jumping through like plexiglass or something, cut up her face. No, that was Rob Black. Okay. Uh, Jimmy was, I think, either there for that or something. I mean, there was a female talent too, something like that happened too, yeah. They were doing some kind of a, like Alice in Wonderland or something, and for some reason they had the wrong kind of glass for that or something, mm. and mm. the girl runs through the glass and ends up with a million cuts all over her, and yeah. who knows? That but no, I ended up not check. pursuing yeah. it just because I was worried about um, my reputation and possibly other... Um, 
sets not wanting to book me after that if I would, were to pursue something like that. Which then, I, then again, now that you know, fast forward, if I would have d did it properly, like there could have been like an NDA involved or anything, so it could have been ha handled quietly. Um, so that's an interesting thing about the porn industry because I mean, it was just negligent. Like you, you left a, a, a glass. Yeah. <laughs> Right there on set, it should have been grabbed. It's clear negligence. I mean, you probably had a pretty good lawsuit. Yeah. Um, so this is the interesting thing about the porn industry, and this goes back. So if you're a regular listener to the show, or if you haven't heard it yet, we did a special episode with Karen Tynan, labor attorney, a few months back about this new California bill, AB5, that makes all porn stars employees. Oh. And, and by the way, listeners... That passed last week, so this is happening for real now in, oh, wow. in the state of California in January. Unless something dramatic happens where the industry gets an exception, which highly unlikely, according to Karen, all porn stars are going to be uh, employees. And at that point, that's interesting because they'll have to get workers' the comp workers on every set. That's crazy. And that's, that's a huge milestone right there. It's a good thing for the industry having workers' comp on every set. Yeah. I'm not sure there are, there are positives and negatives. We right. covered them all. In an hour and a half podcast, so we won't even go into those too right. much, but um, that is a very big positive, at least in the state of California, uh, is that it will be much easier for somebody who goes and works on a porn set to apply for workers' comp because, getting back to the point Jenna made, you know, especially five years ago, ten years ago, you don't want to be known in the industry as a, a complainer who goes mm -hmm. out and causes problems. Yeah, because the thing is, is then that would mess up my my future um, money and whatnot. Like like we said, there's no there's no workers' pay on time off. So it's like if you're not good at money management, you're you're screwed. You're screwed with that t sort of like two three weeks off. You know, you still have bills. You still have to take care of yourself. So if you're not good at managing the money that you've already made, you're yeah yeah. Well, I have so much more I want to get to with you here. I want to ask you about what the effect of being a penthouse pet was. I want to ask you, we're going to talk about some mental health issues. But first, I need to tell you about our sponsors. Blue Chew, bluechew.com. Blue Chew is the world's first erectile dysfunction pill that contains the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis that is chewable. It's chewable. It's delicious. I take them myself. They taste like, um, I think cherry flavored is what they are. They taste kind of like Pez. To be honest, they taste so good that sometimes I take them when I'm not trying to get an erection. I just like the taste of the pills. Uh, although I also like having erections, so it works out great. So listen, I am an adult film director, and if there's one person in this world that knows how important it is to be able to get an erection when you need one, it's me. And that's why I use Blue Chew. I trust Blue Chew to be able to deliver. Blue Chew is awesome in that uh, you, you are actually getting the generic pills with the active ingredients in Viagra and Cialis. It's the real thing. It's the same stuff that you would get at the pharmacy, but you don't have to go to the pharmacy. You just go on their website. You explain in a little box that, hey, I need assistance with uh, erectile dysfunction. A doctor, a real doctor, reviews it writes a prescription for you, and then they mail the uh, the pills to your home. It comes in a very discreet plastic package, so if people see it, they don't wonder, hey, what's that that's coming to you in your mailbox? And it's very affordable as well. But if you want to be, you want to tell me, well, look, uh, I don't have that kind of money to just throw around on pills that I'm not sure what they do. Let me make it easy for you. Let's make it free. Yep, that's what I said, free. Use my promo code ADULT, A-D-U-L-T. You can get your first shipment of Blue Chew absolutely free. Just pay the $5 for shipping, uh, and they will send the pills right to you. You can try them out, and then send me a thank you, please. Uh, just go on Twitter, find us at MAM Podcast One, and say thank you so much for telling me about Blue Chew. So give that a try. Go to bluechew.com, B L U E C H E W.com. Use my promo code ADULT, A D U L T. All right, so we're back with Jenna Ivory. Let's talk about your penthouse pet win, because you know, you've talked about that briefly and how that came about, but I just want to know how it affected your life because that puts you into a different category. Of a performer. Yeah, I mean, that was, it was such a surreal moment for me. Um, uh, it was amazing. Like, I ended up getting, like, a lot of notoriety really quick, really quick. Like like you said earlier in the show, you know, I, I climbed the ladders. I made a name for myself pretty quick. Uh, 
Pet House Pet, June 2015. I had only been in the industry for roughly a year. I had never even shot porn at the time for Pet House. So, um, but you know, I was on every, ma every major newsstand, uh, worldwide, international, you know, every major um, airport, everything was, it was crazy. I would walk into a, into the airport and people would recognize me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, this is so crazy. Yeah. You know? To to be to be known for essentially my modeling, you know that's what it was. It was a, it was a yeah. photo shoot for my modeling more than my actual films was also a really rewarding feeling as well. Because like like we said earlier in the show, that's actually essentially what I was pursuing. You know, prior to porn was my modeling. Let's be honest. Anybody can be a porn star. Like if you're 18 years old you know and you're willing to do anything out there and you don't look bad. You can come out here and get 20 scenes booked pretty quickly, well, and then you're a porn star. But nobody can get to be a penthouse pet. Well, she's disagreeing. I mean, I, mean I, I agree, but at the same time, there's, as we know, being in this industry, there's a difference between, between being a porn girl yeah. and a porn star. I, yes. I feel like that gets, a uh, porn star gets thrown out there overly yes. too much. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, and, and, and I agree with you exactly, that a girl who, who looks... Completely ordinary for herself. Completely, but let's just say you have the most forgettable face in the world. You are one hundred percent ordinary, but you're eighteen years old and willing to do anything on film. You can come out here and do twenty films and start calling yourself a, a porn, porn star. star. Precisely, you cannot get on the cover of Penthouse magazine unless you are at a completely different level. And all of a sudden, you who probably had questions about self-esteem back then, you knew. Who you really were all of a sudden. You're like, hey, let me tell you who I am. I am the penthouse motherfucking pet of the month. I am on the cover of that magazine. Mm -hmm. It was, it, like I said, it, like you just uh, said, uh, I probably had self-esteem issues back then. I did. I felt pressured a lot. Being in the industry, you know, I had agents telling me uh, that I needed to lose weight. Um, all sorts of stuff. And I'm like... You know, I need to lose weight. I need to. I need to tone up. I need to be in the gym. I, I'm. I'm naturally curvy. You know, like like we said, I've, I have like a Marilyn-esque. You know, um, features about me. I have a very classical face. I have a natural curvy body. I have no work done. Like, so that in itself, becoming penthouse pet based off of my natural looks. You know, that was. Uh, uh, it helped. It made me like feel. Better about myself, I guess. You bet. Mm -hmm. So now you you're feeling you're walking on the sets and you're you're like at a different level. Did yeah. it change the way people treated you and the way you treated other people? Did or did and it did go to your head at all? It and no uh, no. I'm a, I would consider myself as a very humble person. Um, however, I do feel like I, I did get more respect. Yeah. In the industry, um, as far as it goes, after receiving that. You know, we shot you before and after and again and so on, um, and I never noticed any difference in, in terms of your attitude, for right. sure. Certainly, uh, the scenes we put up of you sold better after you were on the yeah. penthouse. Um, again, we, I come back to this thing, differentiating you from just average porn star. Yeah. So again, anybody can be a porn star... But what really separates a lot of talent from others is the gift of gab, you know, the, the verbal skills mm -hmm. that when, you know, a girl gets on set, some of them really can't really do much besides just passively lay on a bed and have sex performed on them. But you actually, your head is in the game when you're on set. Mm -hmm. Maybe give some advice to porn stars on how they can do it. Because people go watch her scenes, you'll see that you give her a role. She is that character. I try to embody it. Yeah. Um... I would say for me, one thing that helps me is I would actually go back and watch my own scenes and I would study them and, 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 and critique myself and, you know, be like, I need to work more on this. Okay, maybe I should switch this up. You know, stuff like that. The, the last scene that we shot of her, which is probably the last scene we're ever going to shoot of her, we might have even had the last scene that you ever did if, if we hadn't... One of the last Because, scenes. well, we, did, we had you on the calendar, though, like a year ago or so, and then... For whatever reason, it got canceled, and we almost—it might have been—we almost got your last scene ever. But um, the last scene we shot of her is so amazing. Just the verbal talk in there, and then how you really—you know—we wanted her to play a bully, 
which is kind of what we always want girls to be. And then here she was, this amazing bully that, that comes up with, you, you know, like, how do you come up with all these lines? Is it, did I tell you what to say? Or no, that's not with you. No, you, you just, these things pop into your head. Huh? Yeah, they just, I would consider myself to be creative. <laughs> but, um, no, I really like, I really try to um, embody the, the, the character that I have to, to play. Did you find it difficult when we put you in a dom scene early in your career? No. Because you had been only doing... Most porn is male dominates the female. Especially anyway. with my looks. They, they always try to have me as that. Like, even... Um, they. I remember the the first time I ever shot for... Actually, two times. I've only ever shot with them twice. Kink. Yeah. They'd always have me play a submissive role. But there, I'm actually a switch. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with my like personality or me being a Gemini, but there's only so much submissive... I can take yeah. before I switch, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, naturally I would consider myself a dom. You're so natural at it. Yeah. 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 I mean. But I mean, I can, I'm, I'm versatile. I can play both. Yeah. You know, to an extent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we put her in our hardest scenes, basically, the most difficult ones to do most of the time the dungeon scenes, the cockold scenes, and, and she's pretty amazing. So go go check her out. Um, I, I won't mention the sites here just so we don't throw out porn, but uh, but but do I, I, you know she's an amazing performer, uh, both from the standpoint of physically and and then mentally. Let's get into a tough issue now. I want to talk about this because I think you can inspire others. So, uh, one of the most heartbreaking moments of my life personally, and for many people, was going on Instagram one day and seeing you crying uh, with 100% uninhibited emotion and putting a gun to your head. And, and I can't remember what your words were at the time. But, um, so again, I want to emphasize, every week I see fans on on Twitter saying, hey, do gangbangs, do anal, do double anal. How, why, why won't you do it? Why won't you do it, my favorite porn star? Why won't you do these rough scenes? Do a scene with so-and-so who likes to slap girls around. We wanna see that. And I'm trying to tell you fans out there every week that what you're doing is you love the porn star, but you're killing her. You are mentally attacking her. And when they do these scenes that they don't wanna do, it takes away their self-esteem, it, it, it crushes them emotionally, and when they get out of there, they go to a very bad place. With that in mind, please tell us and explain what happened there and how you, how you got out of this. Um, well, as you said, I believe it's like overexertion. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of mental goes into, into performing, not even just performing, you know, like some people, I feel like being in the industry, you have to be able to separate your work from your personal life. And when you're on Twitter and we're trying to, you know, um, give our all to our fans as well as, like, you know, give them a little bit of our personal so that, you know, some things feel personal at the same time, it, 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 it gets tiring, exhausting. Yeah. Um, during that period of time in my life, I was actually going through a transition. I was, you know, slowly trying to make my exit out of the industry. I was trying to pursue other things, and it, it I, I was drained. And, and shortly before that, actually, several months before that, some some of my fans know I had uh, underwent surgery, um, life threatening surgery. I I um, ended up having um, my fallopian tube removed. I ended up, I had a later on I found out after the biopsy I had a, an ectopic pregnancy the mass was about the size of a baseball I was bleeding for um, uh, an entire month I thought it was maybe because I, I was having active sex and I had a, taken a plan B pill or two and I thought maybe it was just my hormones out of whack you know and so I went to the doctor and I, I ended up going to Planned Parenthood and my friend made me go and um, they did an ultrasound test and the, the doctor goes you need to go to the ER right now I'm going to call them and tell them to expect you. And I'm like, what? I have a very high tolerance when it comes to physical pain. Like earlier um, in the show, we were talking about my injury on set. Like I didn't even feel that. Yeah. Wow. You know, initially. So. Um, they didn't want to call an ambulance for you? I, luckily, the hospital was right across the street. Okay. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. And um, when, as soon as, as soon as she told me that though, by the time I made it to the hospital, I don't know, it was really weird. My, my mind had 
really like under I don't know uh, understood for lack of better words something's wrong, and then physically I could feel the pain. I ended up on the in the in the hospital in the lobby, curled up on the floor, screaming and crying, and they ended up having to run a bunch of tests. Um, an, an ambulance came to the hospital or took me from that hospital and transferred me to another hospital. I didn't even have medical wow. insurance at this time. Oh. So I knew it was something serious. They had to give me morphine regularly uh, every couple of hours on the clock. Um, the insurance people were calling my mom. They were call, you know, they'd come into the room and start harassing me. They stated I needed to give them half cash up front or some crazy absurd shit. And a nurse came and were, uh, took me downstairs. They were prepping me for surgery. And I'm like, what is going on? I feel like they were also giving me morphine, not just for the pain, but just to kind of like calm me down and keep me calm because I was losing it. I was like, I really thought I was going to die. Yeah. This is life-threatening. Yeah. You know, um, the, I was like, well, I was asking the, the doctors. I was like, well, what about the insurance? You know, what's going on with that? They're like, screw them. This is an emergency. You are having surgery right now. Yeah. Um, so that was, was really mentally, um, uh, I went through a, I couldn't get out of bed. Like literally, for in you know, a lot of people also know I don't really have family like that. Growing up as an orphan and stuff like that, like I didn't really have like a, a big support team. So after surgery, I will say I had someone in the industry, um, my 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 makeup artist and, and longtime friend Nancy and her husband uh, Charlie Mack. They picked me up from the from the hospital. You know, made sure I got home good, and um, would check on me. But I literally could not walk. Like I I, I had to my dog would help me get out of bed to go to the bathroom. I had to even crawl to the bathroom after surgery. It was it was a very rough time in my life and I got depressed afterwards. I couldn't work, I couldn't do anything for several months. You probably had a big bill from the hospital too. Oh, the, yeah, definitely. Um, some people helped me out with you know bills. I ended up, my agent had actually started a GoFundMe for me and helped with my bills and stuff like that that I did. So everybody that donated, you know, thank you. Um, but fast forward to January, I mean, going through a transition, um, uh, the surgery, still being depressed, and then all my, like, you know, some fans that like we were talking about, you know, the constant pressure, it was just draining, I just, like, and I, I was going through some personal things as well, um, uh, I just, I was tired, I was, yeah. I was done, I didn't want it anymore, I didn't want, I didn't want to be here, I wasn't happy, I just felt like, what am I here for, Yeah. you know? Um, and I had also lost someone, um, prior, like about a year prior to that from a, a suicide, um, as well. So like, while I'm holding the gun in my head, an array of different things were going through my head, you know, through my mind. I don't want to be here. At the same time, I was thinking about my friend and I'm like, what was it that did not stop you from pulling this trigger? You know? And um, no one knew where I lived. No one in the industry knew where I lived. Right. I had, uh, I, and, and um, I had uh, someone in the, in the industry, I'm not going to name any names or anything, but they, they knew my publicist. Somehow through, through a whole bunch of research, they ended up finding out my address. And the police came to my house. They had first went to my previous address. Another apartment, obviously, didn't live there. But went through through all the research, they ended up sending uh, some sending them to my house. My friend, my good friend, my I consider one of my best friends. She ended up driving clear across, sped clear across town to my house, calmed me down, got the gun out of my hands, you know, just sat there with me. And then the cops showed up. It was they came about there was about twelve of them, and I lived in a really like private, you know, quiet neighborhood. And um, as soon as I saw him, I put the gun up. I was like, oh, fuck, what do I do? You know, I told her, stay away from the window. She's like, no, you're going to have to open the door. Because yeah. they, they had the batter, and they were about to kick the door down. Yeah. And I opened the door, and, you know, they were like, they talked to me, you know, said that they had received a phone call, showed me a picture from social media, and I'm like, I couldn't deny it. You know, they had, they'd stayed with me until the ambulance came. I was put in the back of the ambulance. You know, I, I walked around my house with my hands up. They're like, do you still have the gun? I was like, do, do, do I need to not have it? You know, like, <laughs> they're like, no, it's legal for you to have it, but I just want to make sure that you don't have access to it right now. And I'm like, no, I don't. Okay. Let's put up. So they put me in the back of the ambulance. My phone started blowing up. All right, so the police 
were not aggressive. No. They were caring and comforting like... Because there's so many stories of police out there. Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. So the police were actually... I think it was because it was was a sensitive, you know, a very sensitive... Yeah, good. Good. Good for them. My phone started blowing up. It was in the back of the ambulance. I I believe I answered only two calls really quick. My sister was the first one, and she was just going ballistic. Yeah. I had never heard her like that before. Yeah. Um, Of course. They transferred me to a hospital... I was there, uh, I think, overnight or two days, and then I they put me into a back of a van and drove me clear across town into a, a treatment center, yeah, a psychiatric uh, hospital. But it wasn't even just a psychiatric hospital. It was like I said, a treatment center. So there was like people in there coming down off drugs, and, and it wasn't somewhere where I felt like I needed to be. Like I'm not gonna get any help here. I don't do drugs. I, I barely even drink. You know, at that. So just just be clear. Mm-hmm. You weren't under the influence. Addicted no. to no. painkillers or anything no, at the time. Nothing. Okay. Well, a lot of people that know me personally from the industry, like, uh, knew what. Especially when I was active, I would literally only drink maybe twice a year. My birthday and like an event, yeah. you know, or like yeah. AVN or something like that. Yeah. I've never been into into drugs or anything like that. Um, now, when I got out of um, the hospital, and went on my social media, you know, and. This is right before ABN as well. It was probably like a week before ABN this happened. Yeah. And it was crazy. The, uh, the gentleman you met earlier. Yeah. That's actually around the same time that we got together. Like, he he used to talk to my sister, and uh, I, this is just it was just wild. Like he had DM'd me, and he was like, when he saw it, he says, "You have no idea how bad that hurt me to see that." And I'm like, "What are you, what are you talking about? Like, you don't even know me." Yeah. You know, I, I felt like I felt so alone during that period of time in my life. It was like, you know, I felt um, unreal like people didn't relate to me, you know, like just alone. So I didn't understand how could you say that hurts you and you don't know, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know anything about me. Uh, but I had I had no idea it was actually pursuing me for five years. <laughs> wow. But uh, it, it, I would say he helped me get through a lot of that because even after the hospital like I started going to a therapist I got that's when I got really active in the gym yeah. for my mental health and and um, uh, I was still you know depressed for a period of time afterwards and um, he was always there and supportive you know I went to ABN I, I when I got out of the hospital just to show face and let everybody know you know I'm, I'm here I'm okay yeah thank you yeah so was there a trigger that set you off that you then discovered through therapy how to avoid going forward? My upbringing, a lot of it had to do with my, my past. You know, um, I've, I've been in a, 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 an interview before where someone had asked me, you know, what did I tell my parents when I got to the porn industry? I was like, I didn't. He said, what do you mean you didn't? I've never had parents. I raised myself through 47 different foster homes by the time I turned 18. I've always been on my own. You know, I've always felt like this, this emptiness inside of me, like, but, uh, and I had endured a lot of child abuse, a lot of, uh, not sexual abuse like that, but it was mainly like mental and physical abuse, you know, um, and I moved around a lot. So those are, those are certain things through therapy that I, I did tackle. So, like I said earlier, when I got out of the hospital for a period of time, I was still, um, battling my depression and, and my suicidal thoughts. A lot of that also um, came from facing my fear, so to speak. You know, she had me do, my therapist had me do an array of different uh, therapy techniques. One of the most challenging, I had brought a photo of one of the people who, um, well, she said either who I, who's abused me or who I haven't been able to, like, you know, confront or, or let go. I brought a picture of my um, adoptive mother because I was ad- adopted for like the first eight years of my life. Yeah. And I had to talk to her as if she was right there in the room with me. And that was one of the most challenging things I've ever dealt with. So now you have new ways that you've learned through the therapist to channel I've moved on. your aggression, yeah. um, your anger that you have from mm-hmm. different things in your life and that, that's great. So let's just uh, uh, channel this into something that can help the girls that are in our industry. A lot of girls who are in the industry listen to my show, listen to the podcast here, and so many of them go through difficult times. 
you can see it on Twitter. They 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 now at least reach out. They reach out, and and sometimes it looks sort of bad, you know, like they're whining. But at the same time, it's a cry for help. It's a cry for help, and it's way better than internalizing it and then getting to the point where you were. Give them some advice on how they can can be best. Before I get into that really quick, I apologize. Another thing that also did trigger it was um, I was writing, I started writing my, my autobiography. Ah. So a lot of things have resurfaced yeah. that I that I kind of like blocked out, so to speak, and um, things that I had never dealt with yet. So, but fast forwarding now, uh, sorry about that. Uh, That's all right. And by the way... As a quick side note, because I've never said this before, you did take the time, like the day after or two days later, to text me back and say, I'm okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you did that for a lot of people, but for me personally, it meant a lot. So many of us felt helpless at the time. We, did, like, what do we, we don't even know where she lives. We don't even know how to get a hold of her. We have a phone number. And of course, you, you know, I called and I texted and it that. went right to, of course it was, yeah. You're probably with dealing with the police by that point, um, and you know. Thank you. So, okay. So, what what advice would you give to um, talent today? I know me personally. I feel like a, a, other people feel like this being in the industry. Like you, like I, 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 you have to be able to separate work from personal. And sometimes being in the industry that is so hard is talent. Yeah. You know, through social media and 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 having to always you know cater to your fans, so to speak, and it. You feel alone a lot of the times, you know. It's like you could be, for instance, like at ABM. You could be in a room full of people and have to put on this persona, and you can feel so alone. I I encourage others to really, really take the time for yourself. You know, if that's unplugging, so to speak. You know, staying off social media for a period of time uh, for your own mental health and well-being. You know, reach out to people. Um, always remember who you were first, who you are first, you know, um, it, and it, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with seeking help, there's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist or, or anything like that, you know, we all have demons, we all have, have um, trials and tribulations we have gone through or may even still be going through. There's, there's nothing wrong with finding an outlet. I encourage people to take time out of their day, every single day, for yourself, whether it's listening to like your favorite song, something positive, you know, um, a hobby, going to the gym, um, painting, whatever it may be, something that makes you feel good. Not necessarily, you know, doing drugs or drinking or anything like that, but really being in tune with yourself. And when you have, when they have the feeling, the suicidal feeling that, you know what, fuck this, it's not worth it, I'm just going to off myself or take my own life, what should they do at that point? I, I urge you to really think about things that, that are positive in your life, even if everything feels like at that moment in time there's nothing, there's nothing keeping you here there has to be something because if you still haven't done it yet if you're even having been if you're even able to have that that process that thought process of fuck this i don't want to be here something inside of you is still saying you're still able to question you're still able to state that like uh this is uh um i urge you to reach out to someone most definitely that, that's a battle that's a cry for help that's a battle that you can't go through alone let me finish this segment by reminding people of this. There is an actual reason we have a holiday called Thanksgiving. Um, and it was intended for people to take time out of their lives once a year and remind themselves of all the things that they're thankful for. We all forget to do that. And you just you forget. And then one day you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I got nothing. Well, not even you? not even just, you know, as, as well as being thankful for everyone around you, the things that you have. Be thankful for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think we forget to do that sometimes. Yeah. Well, well said. Not just for the material things you have. Yeah. Not just for the friends you have. But for yourself. You got you where you're at today. But for yourself. Okay. Let's talk about some happier things. Because you took all that and you created what is one of the more exciting and positive life forces that you can see if you follow her Instagram or Instagram which is what? Only Jenna Ivory. Only Jenna Ivory. 
you can see that she has um, become a physical fit, uh, fitness model. She, she is happy all the time. She is doing fun things, and there's a glow about her. So who have you become now? I'm still becoming me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have transitioned into my modeling. I go overseas nearly monthly. I do photo shoots constantly. I do music videos as well. Um, although I've only been in one artist's music videos, that would be who you met earlier, Succeed, Fly Guy with a PH. Um, he has a feature with the baby and Son of Four Vegas. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. We've been he goes with me. We go overseas together. Yeah, so far I've been to my first overseas trip was Bali. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Amazing experience. Yeah, I've seen all the pictures on your Instagram. Yeah, I, I like I said, nearly monthly, all all year. Uh, Bali, uh, Indonesia, Thailand, the Bahamas, Costa Rica. I'm going back to the Bahamas actually next month. You know, um, I have, yeah, I love my life. Yes. <laughs> You've retired from porn. You're not doing any porn anymore. No, I do do my own content. Yes, yes, but you're doing your own content for OnlyFans. Yes, OnlyFans. Okay, mm -hmm. so tell people how to find your OnlyFans. You can go to the link in my bio on my Instagram. It's um, My Instagram is OnlyJennaIvory, or you can go ahead and go to Jenna, uh, OnlyJennaIvory.com. And there's an array of links on there. My Twitter, all my social media links are on there as well. And then my OnlyFans. I have daily content that I upload. Um, you can also interact with me one-on-one. -on -one. I actually have a sale going on as of last night. My subscription sale is uh, $6.99, $6.99 uh, for the next 72 hours that will be going on. Yay. Uh, okay, so this podcast is coming out. What is, today's October 2nd, so it's going to be a week from Friday. Okay. Can I ask you to start that up again on the day the podcast yeah, comes out? Most, most so, definitely. Okay. And in my, my normal, regular, the highest I will ever have my monthly subscription subscription is eight ninety nine. So. Okay. But no, I will definitely do that. All right, so this is going to come out. I wish I was good at dates, but whatever this the podcast comes out for 72 hours after that, Just after text I text her, it's going to be six ninety nine. Yep, $6 And at $6.99... It's about as a no-brainer as the free blue chew that I talked about earlier in the podcast here. Everything on it that you can think of from even if there was just solo stuff, yeah, then mean, it would be worth I got, six ninety nine. But I but, do. I keep it very interesting. Okay. Um, I I show a showcase because I mean, it's not porn. There's no there's no script or anything like that. It's literally like PO, a lot of it's POV. A lot of it's um, also not just POV. I have boy girl. Girl, girl. Oh, you still have boy, girl sex on there. I wow. Have, I have boy, okay. Girl, boy, girl, girl. I have anal. I have. It's all my personal life as well. So it's like, like I'll go to a club and find a, you know, just pick up a girl, like anything. Obviously, safe sex, but yeah, you know, um, just fun stuff like that. Or me and my girlfriend, we go to the bar. We end up getting fucking wasted. Go home and end up, you know, having a three way, whatever. Yeah. Just all fun stuff for seven bucks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, not seven. Six ninety nine. Six ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, guys. Uh, you can't see Jenna anywhere else anymore. She hasn't made a porn scene in... in almost three years. Three years. So if you want to see how Jenna looks now, which is better than ever, without a doubt, um, then you're going to want to go check her out. It's OnlyFans.com slash Jenna Ivory, you said? Only Jenna only Ivory. Je so OnlyFans.com slash Only Jenna Ivory. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I also have fetish on there, cosplay. Femdom? You got any femdom on there? Not yet. Okay. I will need to do that. We're going to make it, we're yeah. going to figure something out yeah, then. Yeah, let's figure it out. <laughs> we can get that done. Mm. I'll volunteer to be in this with her. How about that? <laughs> uh, okay, so that's exciting. Anything else that you want to promote? Hey, give your guy a shout out. Oh, Success. yeah. Uh, succeed. Um, succeed. His, his Instagram is succeed underscore fly guy. It's ph. L Y G U I. Um, you can also look him up on YouTube, um, Spotify, Pandora. He does have a feature with the baby. If you follow hip hop or rap, you know that uh, the baby is top on the top. He's on on the charts. He's up there. That's great. Um, but yeah, and then like I said, he um, Spotify everything you can yeah. Or go to my Instagram too, and you can find his find him on my Instagram as well. But definitely check out his music. Um, hot upcoming artist. And I'm also in his music videos as well, so. So go check that out. And again, go check out our OnlyFans. Again, this is Jenna Ivory. She is penthouse pet. She is one of the great uh, porn performers. 
Um, you know, and she looks amazing, and, and she is worth watching in every way. So go check out her OnlyFans. Your Twitter again is only Jenna. Oh, uh, no, not my, Twitter. My, your, your... my Instagram is only Jenna Ivory. My Twitter is Jenna Ivory XXX. And also, Glenn, thank you for having me on the show. I hope to come back on. It is my pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, not only for coming on, but for being so open and talking about these things that, you know, some of the things we talked about today are emotional for you. I don't think you've even... I've have never, you... I haven't spoken about it publicly. Um, also, one thing I will say is if, if any other performers are hearing this and they want to reach out to me and they're going through anything, feel free. Please do. Wow. Okay. Please take her up on that. Uh, performers because if she's willing to do it then you should talk to her she's somebody who's been through what you're going through you know especially there's stuff we haven't talked about on the show that she's gone through in terms of just that you might be going through right now where you have difficulties with your agent or your boyfriend in the industry mm -hmm. or whatever uh, if you can you know if you know Jenna and you want to reach out to her I think that's such a generous thing that you just said and you might save somebody's life there you go if you're listening to the show you just tuned in to hear Jenna, we thank you so much for checking in. But if you're not already a subscriber to the podcast, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever, we would appreciate it if you would click on the subscribe button and give us a five-star review. And also, we now have a, uh, a Twitter for the podcast. And thank you so much, everybody. We went from four followers before last podcast to like 500 now. But we would appreciate if you would give us a follow because the more followers we get, the, the more and easier it is for us to get great guests on here to come on the show. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you again, Jenna Ivory!